Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you. Wonderful. It's great to just come and spend a, a, a short time with you um, this evening. Um, they have, the concrete cars have actually escaped off the roundabout. Yeah, they are a little bit further down now um, into the northern part of Milton Keynes, but um, they're hiding behind some trees at the minute. Um, Yeah, it's an honour to be with you, and thank you for those kind comments, Phil. Um, In myself, I am nothing, but in Christ, I can be everything that he's called me to be. And and suppose, for me, my entire life ministry really has been about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, not myself. The church is not mine. Um, It's not Christians. It doesn't belong to any man. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He's the head of the body. And the quicker we get of continuously uplifting him and putting him in his rightful place, the Bible says just something simple, he will draw all men to himself. And so we need to deflect all that praise and all that glory um, to him and celebrate what he is doing. You know, it's midweek, and if you're anything like Milton Keynes people, um, in about 30 minutes you're going to start dropping off in your seat. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it as simple as I, I can tonight, just to encourage you um, a little bit on your own personal journey. I know you've come out of a time of prayer, and um, how amazing it is to hear of all the incredible things that God is um, doing. And Christians um, trucked me around the place this afternoon. I've had a look at the Nottingham venue. How amazing is that, right in the city? I was very excited, especially the basement gave me a bit of a buzz as well. Just amazing little facility, but um, let's believe that God can do something as he did before with Booth today. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? And so it was great. And also Belper there and uh, saw Dave over there and the little facility there. And let's pray that God would do something great. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. And all the other stuff you've got happening here. um, You might uh, look, or some of you know what we're doing, look down there and go, wow. We look up to you and go, wow. God is moving in different places as he wills in different ways. And all I know is that you're a part of something really exciting. Into all of that, our regular services reach about 1,300 people every Sunday. We have three services in the morning and one cafe church in the evening. And, um, you know, on the outside of things, we've got so many different things happening. The heart and drive behind it is to take Jesus into our city. The proclamation of the gospel and see people saved. And we have the wonderful privilege, every eight to 12 weeks we're baptizing, 12, 14, 20. That's continued, gosh, Dave, since you, you, we, Dave was working with us down there. And it's continued when we made a decision to say that we want to baptize on a regular basis. It has never stopped. And, um, and we give God the honor and glory for that. And, um, you know... Um, One challenge that we face and one challenge I think I want to share with you and leave with you today is that the challenge as Christians, and I'm speaking to us as believers, is that we are all called to keep moving towards maturity in our own Christian lives, to keep growing. Keep the growing going is is the important thing, not to stagnate, not to remain where I am today, wherever you're at in your own personal faith and life with Jesus. But we're called to be like pilgrims pushing forward, pioneers moving forward and taking hold of everything that God has purpose for our lives. Age has got ripple to do with anything. And God's promises are much bigger than that. And, um, you know, while we're breathing, we're all in on this game. 
we're all in on this and need to be a part of that. And so it's really important, I've learned in my own life, to make intentional decisions to keep growing in Christ too. And, and to keep pushing in with Christ. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guy stand up in our church and testify um, about the challenge that he felt God had put on his heart to become a small group, a life group, what you call them, leader meeting every couple of weeks and encouraging people to come along. And he said he came to a point in his life where he felt that God had just said, it's time for you to be a spiritual father. Not just to attend, not just to be you know, part of a crowd, but to actually take some responsibility for other people in life. And, and he talked about this call, this passion. He started to, to weep about his heart to open his home and to share life with a few. I thought, in fact, I was standing at the back that morning, just come in from ministering in Woodhill Prison, and I was standing at the back, and my eyes filled up, and I cried, because it took me back to a time in my life when I probably, in, well, I did attend a conference, and while I was at that conference, I actually felt God spoke to me through his word about not remaining or acting like a child, Ever heard um, your, your mum or your dad, I'm sure you had, if you were as a naughty boy like I was or a naughty girl, you heard your dad say, for goodness sake, grow up. Yeah. I heard that so many times in my childhood. And, um, you know, and I felt God spoke that into my life, and, and, but I was not to remain a spiritual infant in the church anymore, but I was to grow up to become, like this guy said, a spiritual father, to take responsibility a little bit more. And I I kind of understood what that meant. Was So it was not becoming any more about me and my needs and my wants and my desires or my personal growth, but suddenly there was a focus going to come into my life where God flipped that switch and it became about others. And to help other people grow and to focus on serving others. And I can remember thinking, do you know what? When I came away and I got home, I thought, I've really got to sharpen my act. Because I wasn't doing too well. I've got, to, I've got to sharpen my act up a little bit. And I've got to act a little bit better than that. And I can remember enthusiastically trying to mature myself and grow a little bit more, as we often do, right? And, and I find myself trying to pray more. And uh, I can remember I, I falling out of bed time and time again on my knees, five o'clock, the alarm would go down, I went, and I'd start to pray. Within 10 minutes, I was snoring, fast asleep. I, I felt so, so bad about that, trying to mature myself. I, I tried to fast a little bit. Man, day three was bad. And I had hunger pains inside. And I, I, I can remember on one occasion taking a snack. I, can t- I felt a complete failure. I, I felt that I, I, I'd let God down. I should have done something better. And I can remember trying to study harder and harder and harder and taking more time from working a 12 to 13 hour day, coming home, sitting, opening the Bible, get my concordance out. I would be going through and I'd wake up an hour later with my head on the Bible, feeling so bad, like I'd let God down yet again. Has anybody yeah. been here? I think so. I think we all sometimes do that. And uh, I can tell you stories of trying to witness harder as well at times. And uh, trying to do what I think was the right thing to do, but failing and struggling and making a mess of it, maybe time and time again. And um, I can remember just six months in feeling absolutely exhausted, really. Exhausted in my Christian faith. And there was an older guy in our church a man who was respected, he was a godly man, and, um, and he 
you know, saw my heart. He knew my journey. And I can remember him coming to me one day, um, took me onto one side, away from everyone else. And I never forget what he said from, to me. He said this, Mark, I've written it down. Never let your love for the work of the Lord replace your love of the Lord. Never get that mixed up. And then he went on to say, love and seek God first, look to Jesus alone, and right there you will see everything that pleases God in Jesus. Ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you, and as you read his word, then build your life on what you discover. I thought it made the Bible really exciting. I could discover stuff in here. Because you know, sometimes we go to the Bible to study and find God, right? What I've actually found as I've got older, as I'm studying the Bible, I see myself in there. And God finds me where I'm at and reveals where I'm at and reveals the changes that he's waiting to make. Because this is God's word. God breathed this word. This, This is not another book. It's not an ordinary book. It's God breathed his word. There is no higher authority than this. And he speaks to us and we get the privilege of reading it, sharing it with other people. And he came into that situation and just shared these words with me. And then he finished with a Bible passage, because you always, good Christians, have to finish with a Bible passage, don't they? Which was Hebrews chapter 2, 12 and verse 2. And it said this, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author or the pioneer in some versions and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See, I needed that challenge as a young man, from a spiritual father. Let me tell you something about this spiritual father. He had no title, no position in the church. He served as a steward there, shaking people's hands, but I knew he had a passion for young people. Talk about spiritual maturity. It's right there. He's not looking for the accolades of man. He's just doing what he feels God put on his heart. Very simple, isn't it, really? just to do what God puts on your heart. And that's what he did. And his words actually helped me see that a relationship with Jesus was to be the center and foundation of my faith and not just added to my to-do list. Just as another part of my religious activity. He was to be the foundation and he was to be the center. And I said many times, I think many people can fall into that same trap just doing the religious things. We do the things over and over again. We think we're growing. We might be growing religiously, but we replace relationship for religious things. And this is so important because doing relationship with Jesus, I think, is the most important thing. So working for Jesus more than being with Jesus, does that make sense? You remember Martha and Mary? And that story there and how Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better. Being with Jesus, not working for Jesus like Martha was doing. Now, I know Jesus is always with us, but we're talking about setting time aside, building relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what this guy was saying to me. You've got to get this in the center of your soul, the center of your life, and it will never, ever move. You build everything on Jesus Christ, built everything around who he is and what he's like and what he says and what he, what he does. And uh, so if not, I think like Martha ended up exhausted, right? Yeah. Doing the works of 
of Jesus or working for Jesus rather than being with Jesus and rather than living in this life-giving relationship, which is an offer for every single one of us every day of the week, to be in that place. So what is the key to our spiritual maturity? What is, what is the key to us keeping growing and keeping ourselves focused on the right things? Because I think if we make the main things the main things, everything else flows. And we don't have to strive. We have to focus on keeping that main thing there. Now, let's just jump into the Bible because it's a good thing we go to the Bible tonight. Because there was a time when the church in Colossian, if you've never done a study of the book of Colossians, it's just a fabulous book. It's one of my favorite studies. In the book of Colossae, uh, there was a time when the church was being diverted away from the supremacy of Jesus Christ and also the sufficiency of the gospel. The gospel alone is the power of God to salvation. You don't have to do anything, be anything, receive anything. It's just a total gift. You can't earn it. It's, it's God's gift and it has the power within itself. And these false teachers who were trying to distract people to back to works and back to doing more and do, 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 rather than a sense of being alive in Christ and letting that God's work be accomplished in your life. These teachers were proclaiming that there was further revelations and, and works that were required other than receiving the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul writes declaring Jesus is God through his death and resurrection. He reaffirms that so powerfully right there. And that alone, we are reconciled to God. We have peace with him and we are saved. It's that work alone that puts you in a right relationship with God. Nothing else, right? Nothing else. And uh, then Paul goes on to say in chapter 2, is uh, the light's funny here. But it's okay, it's okay. I'll keep, if you see me tipping, you just, I'm just tipping a few notes here. It's just where the light's falling, I think. I might be in the wrong place. But Paul says in chapter two, is it chapter two there? He says this, verse six and seven. As for you, therefore, receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Now, right here, that's great, thank you. Right here, we can actually see some strong actions in this verse. So just four things I want to pull out today that have really helped me in my personal life, and I know will help you if you put them at the forefront, the foundation of your Christian journey as you continue with it, that will help you in your relationship with Jesus, but how you will grow exponentially yourself in Christ and, uh, and do what Christ wants you to do, right? Because you do what somebody who loves you and wants you to do things, it kind of should be a bit more natural, right? Rather than a forced issue. And so I don't know about you, but he starts off here by saying, as you receive, therefore, uh, you've received Jesus Christ as Lord. And Paul says, as you've received Jesus Christ here as Lord, so walk in him. So let me just ask you a question before I give you these four points. Number one, is, you, sorry, not number one, let me step back a minute. Do you remember when you received Jesus? Yes. Do you remember when you asked him into your, your life? If it was anything like me, I didn't know a lot. I, did, I didn't. I just simply, like the Bible describes, I had a kind of a, a simple childlike faith. It was nothing special. It was just a simple childlike faith. 
And uh, it wasn't complicated. In fact, I just heard this message one day, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but would receive eternal life. God didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save it. And I can remember in that moment, I remember without a shadow of a doubt, I realized that God was for me, not against me. It came just, just like lightning into my heart and into my spirit that God was for me. He wasn't against me, that he gave his one and only son. That's what I needed to know. God who loved us so much does what love does, gives He gives us the most precious thing he could, his one and only son, that whoever believes, the the only qualification that I can see in scripture for becoming a Christian is to believe. What I've just said, what we believe, that God loved you, that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you, and I simply believe that. Whoever believes that message will not perish you, get a, you receive eternal life. It's a good deal, right? Eternal life forever with Christ. And I could never sense a more beautiful feeling than feeling that God wanted me with him forever. Just an amazing thing. Very simple. I received that. I was saved by God's grace alone as I studied the Bible and began to read this just a little bit more and receive his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his peace, his righteousness now was my righteousness. And every time God the Father looked at me, he didn't see Mark Sherrod alone. He saw the righteousness of Jesus Christ and says, welcome. He couldn't wait to greet me, to hug me, and to bring him into his presence. I was adopted as his kid, his child. I'm his son. You know, and and I experienced that this beautiful heavenly father relationship with somewhere now, it was Abba, Daddy, Father, this closeness of intimate relationship with him to a place where I couldn't help but share about the one I loved who'd done all this for me. And this, I want to tell you, this is as real to me today as it was back then. I I really encourage you, go away and think about when you gave your life to Christ. And I'm sure it will revolve around some of that and an awakening in your heart to who you are in Jesus. And then Paul says this, the first thing he says, is you walk in that. That's what you're going to walk in now. If anybody tries to tell you anything else, don't have anything to do with it. You walk in what you've already received. Okay? You walk in that. Paul says this is it critical for your spiritual growth. For me, that's doing life with Jesus Christ 24-7. Walking in Jesus every day with the knowledge that I belong to him. I'm his kid. I am cleansed with his precious blood. I am, I can, you know, I'm, I'm not condemned. Grace is now the life I've chosen to walk into and given freely to me by God. I'm walking in his righteousness. I am called according to his purposes. I am now talking with Jesus and I've got every right to walk into Father's presence and to hold a conversation 24-7 to commune with him, to realize that I am a son of the living God. I'm in Christ and my character is going to be growing and Into who? Into becoming like Christ. Because that's one of God's purposes for your life, if you've missed that one, is to become like Jesus Christ. That's your plumb line. 
In fact, the character of Jesus is very simply portrayed for us in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you want to list those out and say, am I doing one to ten? Is God really working in my life and changing my character? That's how you know. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, producing this fruit coming out of you. And so all these things, I am to walk in all of these things, living by his grace. And of course, the more you understand about God's grace and love for you, he, he, he encourages us to walk in that same love and grace. Some people are light on love and grace because they've never understood love and grace. It's the same with forgiveness. If you struggle forgiving, it's because you've never understood fully how much you've been forgiven. And we have to go back to that. We're not walking in something new or different or fancy. I know in today's culture, we're always looking for the next experience or the next thing, right? No, no, no. Paul says, don't be led astray. Don't be diverted. Go back to the very things that you were born into. And you walk in those things. That's where you will grow in those things. That's where you're to be established in those things. Why? As we walk in those things, I believe that that's how we become his ambassadors. Known and read, the Bible says, by all people. I often use the analogy, we are to be little Bibles on legs. When people see you, they should, they should, that's how they hear God's word, isn't it? They, they read that, they sense that, they catch that. Somebody challenged me a, a long time ago, and I kept a record of this. I write it down, uh, you know, and, and, and speak it regularly. It says this, Mark, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And when I wrote that at the initial time down, I thought, no, the answer would be no. I, I think that, that I, I couldn't be convicted because my life needs attention. I needed to change. I needed to walk in some stuff that I knew was the right things going back to my salvation, back to the things that God had done in my life. And I was being diverted to add other things than the gospel. It's the gospel that is the power of God for your salvation. Nothing else. It's quite a simple message, really. Yeah. Paul said, you've got to walk in that every day of your life, Mark. Right. How many times has the enemy come and tried to steal you, sow seeds of doubt about, are you saved or not? Do you believe or not? This stuff is real, isn't it? Yeah. And you have to reestablish what you've already believed and what you're walking in. And so confess it every day. Walk in it every day. Pace your bedroom every day. Or wherever you pace wherever you're walking I am a child of God keep repeating this stuff these songs are up on here not to be worshipped to help us remember what we are who we are and what we're walking in right that's all and it reminds us every single week that's why it's a smart thing to get to church every Sunday get into groups and encourage one another to keep the truth vibrant real and hold each other accountable for going back to the truth of what we know is the core because it's constantly under attack and as a church, we can get dragged out from every wind and doctrine and somebody's got a new idea over here and over here. Paul just says it simply, you walk in what you've received. Wow. Go back and do some studies on that and come alive with it. And then he goes on to say, the second thing is, we are to be walking Christ, but to be rooted in Christ, right? Yeah. Now, that's about intentionality a little bit there too. You know, stuff doesn't happen until you commit and intentionally be rooted in Christ. Now, I'm a bit of an amateur gardener. My wife is the gardener. And I'm a cutter. I cut grass, hedges, trees, anything that moves. I've got the man tools. 
you know, and I cut everything. She nurtures, is it the lady thing I brought us about? She's nurturing everything. She grows all her flowers. Just, Gordon's amazing, I have to say. That's from the cutting, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> but I certainly, although I'm a bit of an amateur gardener, know this, roots are very important. Yeah. Roots are important because they go down into the soil and draw up that, those vital nutrients that are necessary for growth, right? We know that. So important. Roots are really important, not just to grow the nutrients, but actually the purpose is to be fruitful. Just, it just easily comes. If it's drawing up the good stuff, it's going to produce. The issue isn't what the production. The issue is, are we drawing up from the right stream, right? Are we drawing up Christ and salvation and the grace and the mercy and who we are in him? We're drawing up all of this stuff to produce the right kind of fruit and fruit that lasts in season. Roots are important because they offer the plant stability, don't they? When the wind blows, you see them blown around, but they, they somehow just, just hold there fast and they're, they're, they're in there. See, roots are unseen but essential. They're unseen but essential. You know, and if it's true of a plant, I want to tell you, it's very true of you. Yeah. It's very true of your spiritual life. I've watched Christians blown all over the place. They have, and usually, most of it always comes back to salvation issues and they're not walking in the truth that they've received from Christ. They've been diverted away by every kind of wind and doctrine. <coughs> main thing's not the main thing anymore. Or somebody's, you know, taken them off course. And so it is for all those who root themselves in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through to 19, it says some beautiful things. I'll just pick verse 17 out of that it says then Christ will make his home in our hearts as you trust in him your roots when you do that will grow down into God's love and keep you strong that's, that's what's going to happen and may you have the power to understand with all God's people should how wide how long how high how deep his love is May you experience the love of Christ through, though it is great to understand fully. In other words, you're never going to understand. It's bottomless, it's topless. Excuse me, that's not the right way to say in church, is it? It's limitless. You're never going to fully understand it. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Wow, because your roots are going down into Christ, you see? And that's why it was so important for Paul to correct this false heresy at Colossae. It's so important for us to stay on track in Christ and all that we're seeking to do in these days. All this work is fantastic, but it's not as important as Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Jesus must be in the most important place in your life. And I can't stress how important it is to, that we are continually being rooted in Christ Jesus because everything else, isn't it temporal? Yeah. Everything in this world is going to pass away, man. Yeah. You're, not, you're not keeping jot. Nothing. Nothing comes with you. I've never seen, I'm sure you've heard this said a million times, a removal truck behind a hearse. I haven't. And I've been to the funeral sides of graves, sides many, many times with different people. We take nothing with us. We're just stewards in this life of absolutely everything. Only Christ is temporal. And ultimately, it will bring disappointment if we put our trust or our emphasis or build our foundation on anything see pastors pastors will fail because we're ordinary right we 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 will we will and we are no church is perfect i haven't found one yet mine isn't it's got all kinds of faults traditions 
They're nice, but they change over time. Only Jesus is worth sinking those roots into, going back to him and, and intentionally pushing into him, allowing our roots to go deep into him. Alison has a, you know, is, is not just in the garden, but she's doing a course at the minute in floristry. And she, our house is full of flowers. She's doing all kinds of displays. And, and it was funny because it's apt to this message because, you know, as beautiful as they are, and flowers are nice, eh? Smell great. But in a few days, they all start drooping, don't they? They wither. And, and ultimately, they just don't last. Why? No roots. I thought that reminds me of a lot of Christians. If I'm honest, on the outside, oh man, praise Jesus. But when the storms come, the house collapses because they're not founded on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. Their roots are deep in him. You can survive the wildest of storms in this life, the most strongest disappointments, all the hurt, all the challenges that we have to go through. The Bible says that that, life with Jesus, that's enough for a good life and godliness. It's it's everything you need as you stay firmly strong upon him. And so if we're not rooted in him, we're going to be like those flowers. If we're not having a sustaining, healthy, life-giving power in our life, we're going to struggle. So the Bible says this, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and great grace. And that's in one Peter chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 there. So she says, in all that you've received, Paul saying to the church, you've got to stay strong or it's going to be rock. Stay strong. Walk in it 24-7 every day of your life. That's a, that's a commitment right there. 24-7 every day I'm going to intentionally commit myself to walk in what I've received. I'm going, to, I'm going to let my roots go deep into Christ. And then he says we are to be built upon Christ. In that original text, that's the third one, to be built up into Christ. That, that text is an actual uh, present and continuous process. In other words, it's telling us this, that every Christian is under construction. I'm not perfect, and I have not got there, and neither of you, but we're under construction, right? That's what it is. There's a work going on inside of us, and many try to build their faith on lots of other things other than Christ. They'll try and build their lives on prayer, on worship, fasting, teaching, conferences. It goes on, doesn't it, this list? And we need we run back there for the next fits because I'm a bit dry. I need to go back there, and I need to open my arms and start worshiping because I'm a bit dry. And we don't build... All those things are good, Don't get me wrong, and they're encouraging, but they are not the foundation, none of them. Jesus Christ alone is the foundation of everything, and that is the point to ensure that he is at the center of absolutely everything. In the the Bible, a cornerstone was used as a foundation and standard upon which the building was constructed, and once it was in place, every angle and every block ran off that. Nothing And if that was removed, the whole thing would come down. It would be a house of cards. It would collapse. Isn't it interesting how Jesus said, I am the cornerstone when it comes to the church? And our faith can can quickly collapse and we can find ourselves in serious trouble when we're not aligned with Christ. 
it doesn't look like Jesus. It doesn't sound like Jesus. It doesn't act like Jesus. Hello? Christians' lives are like this, and we profess sometimes to walk in the light. Maybe we need to realign our lives with Christ again, come back to the things that we've received, start walking in them, put our roots deeper into Christ, and, uh, and build our lives upon him, not on Kenneth Hagen or you know, some fancy new Bible teacher that's popped up. Jesus. You will never, ever get anything better than spending alone, some time alone with God in this. And every time you open this, you say one simple prayer. Holy Spirit, please reveal wonderful things from your word today. Speak into my heart. As you do that, I guarantee he speaks. Because this is not just an ordinary book, remember. It's God breathed. And it comes off the pages and into your heart. And it's, it's designed to do what? To bring you to Jesus. The whole thing, this whole thing is designed to bring you to Christ. Old Testament, New Testament. It's all there to bring us to the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we should stand upon that. So how are you doing with that bit? That's the third one. And the, here, let me finish with this, the fourth one, is because we've overshot six minutes and 33 to go. Is that, that right, is it? Or is that over? <laughs> I won't be coming back again, so I'll just keep going. So. And the fourth one is that we are to be established in the face as you have been taught, Paul said to the church. He goes, realize what you've received, walk in it, be rooted in it, be built in this. Rooted, built up. And he said... Be established in the face of you being taught. See, God has given to the church ministry gifts in people. Prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. There's one other there I've missed somewhere. But he's given these people. Which one? There you go, the apostles. Given them to the church not to control or dominate or be, hey, look at me, I'm the top man. Call me ape Mark. I'm the apostle Mark. No, no, no. The greatest leader knows he is to be the servant of all. We're not in it for us, we're in it for him. It's not about me, it's about Jesus, isn't it? And if, if, if everything I say and do in, in my living and desires is off track with that, you have every right to question. Because this is Jesus' house, Jesus' church, Jesus' work, and it must look like him. Sadly, I can't say that over every place. But I know it's the heart of this place. And it's the heart of my church. To make a commitment and the highest purpose is to become like Christ. To grow in maturity, to be everything to him. And the Bible in Ephesians 4.11, you'll see those gifts there. And spiritual growth and maturity for the church, these people have been given to help you grow. That's it. I am here, we are here. Leaders are here to help you grow. You know, I'm certainly not in it for the money. You know, I don't get enough, really, for them to keep me there. But I'm called and given to the church by God to help you to grow. Every leader is given to the church to help people to grow, to 
help people to find Christ, to see his kingdom come, work established, and grow. And so we quickly begin to understand as we read the Bible that spiritual growth is God's will for our lives. We're to grow up. We're to move on into maturity. We're to to, to grow up into everything that we've received. We're to walk in it, to be rooted in it, to be built up in it, to be established in it by good godly leaders who can help us grow. That's why I encourage our church. We have a discipleship pathway like you have here, growth track, right? And, 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 And we're forever getting up saying, please, this isn't about us. This is good for you. We're here to help you to grow up. So take a next step. Intentionally, take a next step. I had somebody come a couple of weeks ago and say, Pastor Mark, we have four courses. I said, Pastor Mark, which one should I take? I said, all of them. They're there for you. They're not there for me. They're there for you to help you to grow up. And ministry gift people are given. They're a blessing to you, not a curse. I know sometimes you think we are because we're always talking about read your Bibles and get into the truth and be here on Sundays and be here at the next courses. But it's all designed to help the church to grow up. That's it. And any parent would be anxious about their children, right? Because we want you to grow so that when the wind blows and the storms come and the voice of the enemy and the voice of heretical people out there try and take you off course, you alone in your own personal commitment and faith before Jesus can stand strong. You can fend them off yourself. You don't need Pastor Mark or Pastor Christian, Pastor Phil. You You can chase it off yourself. You can stand strong yourself. So what's my greatest intention with 1,300 people around that, regular attending MKCC, at the minute, it's to wean them off me and the church buildings and to push them out there to live in the world as strong individuals with Jesus. Job done. Why do we come together? Because we want to make an impact on a wider scale and, and do what God's told us to do. We're not in it for the stars, the stripes, the notice me, see me, all that kind of stuff. Remember that sketch that came back into my mind? So you flashback there. Oh, forgive me, forget it. So these courses are here for you and I would encourage all of us to dig into them, right? Dig into those things. So let me conclude. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted in him, built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught. And then it just finishes abounding with thanksgiving because I think that's the outcome. I think when you do all this stuff, you're gonna be blessed. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You're going to say, thank God, I'm, I'm seeing Jesus like I've never seen him before. My roots have gone so far down into him. I feel strong. You start to testify about how, you know, you've been through disasters, how you've been through some struggles, how you've been beaten a little bit like some of your work, work colleagues have been beaten up out there by life itself and disasters, things that are going wrong, but you've remained strong. And your faith has helped you do that. It's so easier to share when your roots are down in Christ than when you've got no roots or few roots. Because you're drawing up of the fact that you have been there, done it, you've got a testimony to share, you're stronger. Does that make sense? 
And it results in this thanksgiving and giving thanks to God. And whether we've followed Jesus Christ for years or a new Christian, there are two things that can be said about you if you're built up in them, that your foundations are firm and you are filled with joy. It's these two words of, of, of just thanksgiving. It will result in thanksgiving and giving praise to God. You rejoice, others rejoice. It's as simple as that because we're sharing Christ. And so a little quote that... Uh, I found years ago, spiritual maturity is not becoming more independent. It's becoming more dependent upon Christ. There's never going to be a moment where you're strong enough. You're always going to need Jesus. You're going to have to run to him and push into him. And I want us all today, just I want to leave with you a bit of a challenge to take our lead from Jesus. No one else. To take our lead from Jesus who is the source of everything that we do. And let's decide today that we are going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that we're not going to be spiritual immature. I'm not going to stay an infant in the church. I'm going to grow. I'm going to become mature and let God use me in his plans and purposes. And not just leave it to someone else. I'm going to get involved with that. And I kind of feel if we all did that taking Paul's advice I think church would be a stonking place amen we'd all look like Jesus and that's the point actually in this world they need to see less of Mark Sherratt and more of Christ because only he can change people's lives he's the centre and everything that we are and I want to encourage you run into him okay and find him to be the light of your life and never ever replace him for anything Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. We feel so humbled by it time and time again. We try and do life by ourselves at times. We run ahead making decisions in our own wisdom and never consult you. And God, I pray that you would just help us all tonight just to hear, maybe there's just one word, something tonight that we can take away and do something with. Help us to push into your word and may your word change us. If we're in it, it will. So I pray that we would make an intentional decision to connect to you in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen.